0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast as always is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, now part of Networks, where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware plus more. And also brought to you by Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. And also, of course, brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these great sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Over three months ago, I shared a story on the podcast about the MSIX installer dialogue being manipulated by attackers to give a false sense of security by being signed with a valid certificate and showing as a trusted publisher, but with complete BS application details. So it'd be things like uh, Adobe Reader, but spelled slightly differently. So convincing enough that if you weren't to scrutinize what's in the installer dialogue, you would just click through it and think everything's gravy. Well, this week, Microsoft took the bold step to disable the MSIX app installer protocol. Now, don't panic. This is not disabling the installer update of MSIX applications completely. You can still download and install MSIX applications, but this will stop the ability to publish your MSIX app in your site or store and have people install somewhat seamlessly right from the web now with it disabled when they attempt to install it's instead just going to download the package and the users can install it for themselves so a little less streamlined in microsoft's article they stated quote we recognize that this feature is critical for many enterprise organizations we are taking the time to conduct thorough testing to ensure that re-enabling the protocol can be done in a secure manner we are looking into introducing a group policy that would allow IT administrators to re-enable the protocol and control usage of it within their organizations, end quote. So I wonder if this might affect some ISVs with store offerings that support the protocol today. I'm not entirely sure what the scale of the fallout will be. They say many enterprise organizations. Not sure if that's really going to be many enterprise organizations or not. I guess we'll see. In some positive Microsoft customer security news, at long last, Microsoft has decided to change the default behavior in Office. VBA macros obtained from the internet will now be blocked by default. Cause for celebration. This is of course a big deal because the old enable macros that everyone would just click on without thought ended up wreaking havoc around the world. It became a favorite for attackers to just use in order to get users to unknowingly allow their malicious code to run. This change only affects Office on devices running Windows and only affects Access, Excel, PowerPoint, Visio, and Word. The change will begin rolling out in version 2203, starting with the current channel, the preview, in early April 2022. Later, the change will be available in the other update channels such as current channel, monthly enterprise channel, and semi-annual enterprise channel. At a future date to be determined, Microsoft also plans to make this change to the Office LTSC, Office 2021, Office 2019, Office 2016, and even Office 2013. For full information, including on changes to what a user will see when macros have been blocked and how IT administrators can control macro usage going forward, go to the reference links for this week's episode, which is episode 216, and you'll find that on 5 under reference links for this episode. Another month, another patch Tuesday. And this month, Microsoft have released 48 security fixes for software, including A patch for a zero-day bug but there are no critical severity flaws on the list this month so seems like a lighter month than usual in terms of severity of the issues being fixed so I guess that's good. Products impacted by the security updates include the likes of the Windows kernel, Hyper-V, Microsoft Outlook and Office, Azure Data Explorer and Microsoft SharePoint. The single zero-day vulnerability that is now patched by Microsoft is listed as CVE-2022-21989, and that one got a 7.8 in severity. According to ZDNet, some of the other vulnerabilities of interest in this update include CVE-2022-21984, which affects Windows DNS server and a potential remote code execution. There's also... Dash 22005, which affects Microsoft SharePoint server. Again, it's a remote code execution vulnerability. There's also 23256, which is an Azure Data Explorer spoofing vulnerability. And also 23274, which affects Microsoft Dynamics GP. And that one is also a remote code execution vulnerability. As is usually the case, I would imagine that the patch fallout news will start to roll in over the next couple of weeks. So tune in to next week and the following week's episodes of the podcast to hear about what might break from these patches. Hopefully nothing, hopefully it's a quiet month. ZDNet reported this week that Google have launched a Workspace Essentials Starter, which is a free version of its productivity suite that individuals can bring to work. Workspace Essential Starters are said to give users access to popular Google tools like Docs, Sheets, Slides, Drive, and Meet, but it does not include access to a Gmail account. Instead, a user signs up with their existing work email address, and once their account is verified, they can immediately start using Essential Suite and invite others to collaborate with them. So I've been using G Suite pretty much every day for over a year now. It has its strong points but also several weak points too. But having said that, for the price of free, it is not bad at all. I do like some of the collaboration in it too. It's a little bit better than like the team's files collaboration. So pretty cool stuff. Bloomberg reported that cybersecurity firm Mandiant could be Microsoft's next acquisition. The deal would help Microsoft bolster its ever evolving efforts to keep customers safe and protected. According to the report, the involved parties are only in the discussion phase right now, so an offer has yet to be placed on the table and isn't even guaranteed to happen. If you're not familiar with Mandiant, they were founded almost two decades ago by Kevin Mandia and have become known for their incident response services. They were acquired by FireEye in 2013 providing cybersecurity services and notably releasing a series of threat intelligence reports detailing alleged state-sponsored hacking originating in countries such as China and Russia. It appears the company was spun off out of FireEye, putting it back as a prime target on the market for the likes of Microsoft, I guess. So I guess time will tell to see if an offer is put on the table. Right now, it seems like it's kind of just speculation. If you use Windows Terminal, you will now be able to launch Windows Terminal with profiles that will automatically run as administrator. To launch auto-elevated profiles, you have two options. Configure the app to open a specific profile in an admin terminal window automatically or open it as administrator with Ctrl plus clicking the profile on the drop down menu. BleepyComputer.com reports that Windows Terminal Preview 1.13 also adds an updated Settings User Interface and a new experimental rendering engine with performance improvements. While the improvements will be barely noticeable during the day-to-day use, they will be apparent when working with text with a large number of colors. Windows Terminal Preview 1.13 also adds a customizable bell sound option, new actions, miscellaneous improvements such as snap layouts in Windows 11, and various bug fixes. I think it's pretty interesting on the profile modification to have it automatically open in an elevated context. I wonder if that could potentially be a security concern. Again, I guess time will tell. Windows 365 Enterprise now supports Azure Active Directory Join. So this came into preview, I think, a couple of months ago now, but now it's generally available. Very cool. Uh, Windows 365 supporting Azure AD means that devices can run in a Microsoft hosted network where you don't need to bring any Azure infrastructure, don't need to create an on-premises network connection or VNet as they call them, You don't need any tie-in back to a traditional Active Directory domain. This is what I liked about the business offering, but the business desktop is very, very limited in features. So this would be a nice little pivot for me. I can move over to Enterprise now, get some of the extra features, and also not have to tie it to my on-premises domain. Very cool. The FBI has released technical details and indicators of compromise associated with LockBit ransomware attacks. Among the technical details on how LockBit ransomware works, the FBI revealed that the malware comes with a hidden debug window that can be activated during the infection process using the Shift and F1 keyboard shortcut, and then once it shows up, it can be used to view real-time information on the encryption process and track the status of user data destruction doesn't suggest that you can actually do anything to stop it there so hey if you want a window view of the destruction of your network i guess that's kind of cool and what caught my eye the most in this report from Bleeping computer is that the fbi has provided a list of mitigations that could help defenders guard their networks against the lock bit ransomware and that includes require all accounts in your organization with password logins to have strong unique passwords, require multi-factor authentication for all services to the extent possible, keep all operating systems and software up to date, remove unnecessary access to administrative shares, use a host-based firewall to only allow connections to administrative shares via SMB from a limited set of administrator machines, and enable protected files in the Windows OS to prevent unauthorized changes to critical files. They also went on to say that admins can hinder ransomware operators' network discovery efforts by segmenting networks to prevent the spread of ransomware, identify, detect, and investigate abnormal activity and potential traversal of the indicated ransomware with the network monitoring tool, implement time-based access for accounts set at the admin level and higher, disable command line and scripting activities and permissions, maintain offline backups of data and regularly maintain backups and restoration and also finally ensure all backup data is encrypted immutable and covers the entire organization's data infrastructure and to wrap up the news this week there's an update from one of my sponsors PolicyPack now officially supports windows 11. they state that for the best compatibility you should use policy pack CSE, which is the client-side extension, version 3068 and later when you use Windows 11. Mentioned in the notes is the fact that Windows 11 does not have an IE version rolled into it. So some of the IE options within Policy Pack are not going to be of use on Windows 11. The start menu has changed significantly in Windows 11 and unfortunately, it appears it's pretty rigid at the moment to not open to the same type of customization as Windows 10 was, at least for now. Least privilege manager should work as before, but for a full list of what will and won't work on Windows 11, check out the article and I'll share the KB article with this episode, which again is episode 216. And now a weekly webinar. Speaking of policy pack, the policy pack lockdown 2022 event will be taking place on the 18th of February. This is a one-day virtual event that focuses on modern endpoint management and security. The event will be kicked off with a keynote by Sammy Leho and will feature excellent speakers that include James Rankin, Richard Campbell, and Susan Bradley, to name just a few. Uh, Susan being the speaker that I'm the most looking forward to um, because I have yet to see her actually do a session, but I've been following her awesome emails around patches for years. So register to attend the event. If you've never been to one of the lockdown events before, it's really awesome. I get so much value out of it and I'm sure you will too. Oh, and also I'll be speaking there. (laughs) I guess I should mention that. And now, a hot job. Citrix are looking for a senior technical account manager based in Dublin or remote in the United Kingdom. Some of the duties and responsibilities include, you will work with a small number of Citrix clients, owning post-sales delivery customer relationship, you'll be accountable for building strong working relationships with named customer contacts, providing Citrix advocacy, and understanding customer roadmaps, deployments, and expansion plans. You'll understand each customer's business strategies and apply Citrix's proven customer success methodology to lead them through all phases of the implementation journey, and more. So if you've ever worked as a Citrix customer and worked with your technical account managers, you kind of get an idea of the type of role and type of support they provide. Some of the qualifications include certs on Citrix products, experience in working, communicating with senior architects and integrators, deep understanding of Citrix software products and solutions within a customer's environment and how these can be influenced and optimized to bring value for a client, experience with competitor and partner technologies, applied project management, in-depth knowledge of operating systems, network storage, and more. They say basic qualifications is relevant industry experience, fluent English with verbal and written skills, communication skills being excellent, extensive previous technical account management experience or similar functional experience with strong customer service orientation, professionalism and confidence to work closely with and advise senior executives, and an ability to work independently and collaboratively, think creatively to tackle challenges and remove obstacles to successfully realize customer outcomes. So it looks like maybe the updated this, or maybe I'm misremembering here, but I don't see a degree requirement. So good job Citrix relevant industry experience for this type, for this type of senior role makes much more sense than looking at someone's degree in my opinion. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. I saw that Microsoft Mechanic shared a quick video on how to set up Microsoft Authenticator Windows Hello or FIDO two keys in the Azure AD Admin Center. Short but sweet, that's it. (laughs) I find that interesting. It's not something I've done within Azure AD. It's something I would like to try, so maybe you would too. Ion Popovicki shared a new tool that he created which is the New Registry Watcher version 1 and it creates a registry watcher and monitors a specified registry tree or key value for changes. So that could have all kinds of use. Like if there's something that maybe keeps changing and you're wondering like when it's changing, what might be changing it, this could help you track that down and finally Dean Cifola shared a ton of free resources to help you get prepared and pass your AVD cert exams. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you all so much for listening.